Well, good morning. We, um, like mentioned earlier, we are into our second Sunday in Advent, um, which means we are into the second sermon in our sermon series. You see it up there, Come and Dwell, and this sermon is Come and Convict. Um, we'll just set that up a little bit. We, Advent is a season of expectation and preparation, expectation and preparation. We, we, we're waiting for something, and in one sense, we're waiting, um, we're waiting to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus. You all know what that is, December 25th, Christmas Day, we, we will celebrate the birth of Jesus, and so these four weeks before that are an anticipation of that great celebration. But, but there's a second, second thing we're doing in Advent, and we're not just waiting for His first coming, but we're also waiting for His second coming, His second Advent, if you will. And so we're here um, this morning to start preparing our hearts and start remembering and reminding ourselves that Jesus is coming back, that He will return. And the first time He came, it was very humbly, right, like a little, a little baby, he came and he was laid in a manger. Do you know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough for the animals in the stable. But the second time he comes, his second advent, it will be glorious. He'll be coming in clouds on the sky and with the trumpets of angels. And, and if you missed him the first time, you are not going to miss him the second time. It will be quite obvious to everyone that the Lord has returned, that he's coming back. And the purpose of Advent then is to start preparing ourselves for that, to start getting ready, if you will. And so last week we talked about, um, well in the sermon series what we're talking about is, what, what exactly are we waiting on? What's it going to be like when, when the Lord returns? When we say, come Lord Jesus, come and dwell among us, what are we really asking for? Last week we talk, decided that we were asking, um, quite frankly, for judgment. For Jesus to come back to judge this world, to judge our hearts and our lives and the, the places um, of sin in our lives. We want God to come and judge that so that one day there would be a world with no sin and no tears and no shame. And so we, we say, Lord Jesus, come back and judge. And this week we're saying, Lord Jesus, come back, come and convict us. Come and show us that we need a Savior. Come and show us that we need your help, that we need your return, that we need your lordship, come and convict us. And really, there's no better way to do that than by looking at John the Baptist. Um, John was, was really quite a strange fella, um, very strange indeed, and Luke doesn't really get into it, but, but there he is, you can see him up on your screen right there, that's John the Baptist. Um, Matthew and Mark give us a few more details, but this is a great description in this little book. This is the Jesus Storybook Bible. We give it away to, um, to babies who are baptized in this church, but I recommend it um, to everybody, frankly. It's an amazing um, book. And, and this is what the Jesus Storybook Bible says about John the Baptist. So John grew up, and well, to tell you the truth, he was a bit unusual. He lived in the desert. He wore itchy, scratchy outfits made of camel hair. He had a big, big, bushy beard and long, long, scraggly hair. And here is the oddest thing of all. Kids, listen up. The oddest thing of all. He only ate locusts. 
Locusts are short for, is short for big, creepy, crunchy grasshoppers. John the Baptist ate grasshoppers, which he dipped in honey to disguise the taste, probably. So there he is, John the Baptist, eating his grasshoppers dipped in his jar of honey. Um, and this is the man God sent to prepare the way for Jesus. That guy, right there. He sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. Well, how do we know this? There's, there's three things um, that we see in verse 2 of, of our reading from Luke. And so once we get past the hard names, Luke writes this. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So, so what about this John? First, he's the, he's the son of Zechariah. The son of Zechariah. We read about Zechariah earlier. Um, Alex read it for us. Um, the, the Zechariah was, Zechariah and Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. And so John is Mary's cousin. And Zechariah had this word from God when John was born. And, and he, he said this. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This this prayer that Zechariah prays over his son is a recognition of who he is. That he is the one who has come to prepare the way, to, to prepare the way for Jesus. And so one thing we see about John is, is he's Zechariah's son. He's all grown up. He's the baby that was su- supposed to prepare the way to Jesus, and now he's doing it. Second thing about John, he starts his ministry in the wilderness. In the wilderness. He is far removed from the religious elite of Jerusalem. He's far removed from the Roman government. He's out here in the middle of nowhere proclaiming the way of the Lord. And that's important. He had to get away from from the, the religion and the worship of God that had turned sour, that had turned into a performance base. Legalism. He had, he had to get away from that. He had to get away from the, the pagan authorities. And he's out in the wilderness and he says, Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. You have to get ready. People could not hear that in Jerusalem. They had to go to the wilderness to meet John. Final thing we see about who this John is is, is that he is a prophet. He is very clearly a prophet. Um, Luke 3, verse 3, or verse 2 says this, The word of God came to John. The word of God came to John. Do we see that anywhere else in the Bible? Well, in a few places, yes. Jeremiah 1, 4, The word of the Lord came to me. Ezekiel 1, 3, The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Hosea 1, 1, The word of the Lord came to Hosea. Joel 1, 1, The word of the Lord came to Joel. Jonah 1, 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What happened to Jonah, by the way? When the word of the Lord came to him, which way did he go? He ran away, right? And he got swallowed by the fish. I'm sure that was not pleasant. Um, And he was spit back up on the beach, okay? And what happened? What's the first thing that happens after he spit up on the beach? Jonah 3.1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Micah 1.1. The word of the Lord came to Micah. 
Malachi 1.1, the oracle of the word of the Lord of Israel came to Malachi. And then Luke chapter 3, verse 2, the word of God came to John. Malachi was the last prophet before John, the last one to have the word of the Lord came to him. And so, so here we have John, and the word of the Lord has come to him, and you're a Jew in the first century, and you realize that the word of the Lord has come to him. Do you know how long you've been waiting for this? 400 years. It has been 400 years since the word of God came to his people. And here he is. He's in the desert. He's proclaiming salvation. And and the word of the Lord is on him. And if you're in Jerusalem and you're waiting and waiting and waiting and all of a sudden you hear this guy out in the wilderness, you can bet you're going to go see what he's talking about. See what he's saying. What is this word that he has for us? So we have John the Baptist out there in the wilderness. Um, His message is hugely important. And he is a specific prophet for a specific time to prepare a specific people. So even adding to the weight of this is this expectation of what comes next. They knew the next time God spoke to his people, it was going to be for preparation. How do they know this? Well, we read it, um, and this is, this is the Italian prophet, Malachi. Um, Malachi, verse 3, 1 to 2 says this. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So he says, I will send my messenger, and then the Messiah will come. The Lord will come to dwell in his temple. So these, these folks have been waiting for 400 years for the prophet who is to declare the coming of the Messiah, the one who will rescue them from the Romans, rescue them from the evil religious leaders, restore worship to the temple, restore the promised land. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and now he is finally here, and they're going to the wilderness to see him, and they get a guy eating locusts. But he's here. What does he have to say? What does he have to say? Well, John says this, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways saying, get ready. And he uses this imagery of creation making way for the Messiah, of mountains being made low. Have y'all been up to the Blue Ridge Mountains? Um, um, Especially if you're in the foothills. The reason they call it the Blue Ridge is it's like a blue wall. You get to these things and it's like, bam, 2,000 feet straight up. And so John is using this imagery. Those will be made low. the, the, The path will be made straight. The valleys will be filled so that the Messiah can come. That's John's message. And they're getting all excited. And they're like, yes, he's coming. Finally, he's coming. What do we have to do to prepare? What should we do to get ready? Should we get an army together? 
Should we, um, should we, should we tell the Romans, get ready because this guy's coming? No, John doesn't say any of that. If we were to read one more verse, John says this. All right, so they're expecting this being built up. Do you see that? They're expecting a, a military messiah. They're expecting to get ready, get organized. And John says this. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? All this salvation, this political rescue, this um, army that the nation of Israel was expected is, is not John's message. How do you get ready? You have to get yourself ready. You have to get your heart ready. He calls them a brood of vipers. That, that would be, I mean, it's not nice in the first place, but if, if you were a Jew steeped in your Old Testament readings, you, the snake, the, the Garden of Eden, Satan himself, and you can see him, he's pointing at them. You brood of vipers. Who are you to come out here and get ready? Who are you to expect the Messiah? And he convicts them. He convicts them. Their hearts are convicted. They realize the depth of their own sin, their own need for repentance. The fact that God is here and they're down here. And if the Messiah came, they would be in big trouble. Because they were worshiping him falsely too. They were not following him. They were not serving God. And John convicts them. He convicts them. And so they repent. They turn. They turn back to God. And they're baptized symbolically of their death, of of their old death, and they're rising again to, to a new life, to follow God and to serve Him. And so John the Baptist, his message is conviction. And that's the message of preparation. If you're not convicted, if you don't know you need a Savior, if you don't know how far short of God you really are, you cannot receive the Messiah when He comes. And the rest of Luke's gospel, and all of Mark's gospel, and all of Matthew's gospel, and all of John's gospel, all of those illustrate to us how unready people were for the Messiah. They didn't get it. They didn't know who he was. They crucified God because they were not ready. They were not convicted. They didn't know they needed one. And he's coming back. And you have to ask yourself this question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Um, there are two um, types of folks, I would say, in this room um, that need convicting. Um, on one level, there are the, the faithful people. You're here every Sunday. You're serving the Lord. You're reading the Bible. You're meeting with your small group. You love Jesus. That's good. Keep doing those things. But even you need to be convicted. Even you need to be convicted. If you get to a point in your life where you think, I'm done with the sin thing and now I can go on following Jesus, you are missing the point. You are missing the point. You need to be convicted. So where is it? And so you can pray this prayer. I encourage you. God, it's not a fun prayer, but it's a good prayer. God, convict me. God, show me the ways that I'm falling short of you. God, show me where I'm not following you. I don't know what it is. I don't know. But every person in this room has built a mountain or a wall or has dug a valley around a corner of their heart that they don't want to let God into. Make way the path of the Lord. Where is it? Is it your marriage? 
Are there places in your marriage that you just don't want God to touch? Are there places in your finances? Is there a place somewhere deep down in your heart, and I think we all have this somewhere, where, where you sit in just in constant judgment of others? I can't believe they did that. Wow, they're doing this. What is that place in your heart that you need God to come in and convict you of? That's how you prepare. That's how you get ready. Holy Spirit, come and convict me. And then finally, um, there are likely, I hope there are some folks like this in this room who have not been convicted. I don't need a Savior. I can figure it out. Isn't this just a crutch? Isn't this just, um, you know, just a way to get through life? It's okay for some folks, but not for others. Um, Maybe there's some folks here who think that way. You're not convicted. But maybe this morning you are. Maybe you realize the, the depths of your own evil, the depths of your own sin, the, the, the inability for you to reach a holy God by yourself. And so God is here to convict you, to show you how much he loves you, that he would send his son Jesus Christ to die for you, to take your penalty for sin, to take your judgment upon his shoulders so that you could live. Are you convicted of that? Because if you are, that's God preparing the way for you to receive the Messiah. And so we all need to be convicted. We all need to be prepared. Because if we're not convicted that we need a Savior, when He comes, we can't receive Him. We won't even see Him. Many of us have not seen Him when He was a little baby. Some of us have not seen Him on the cross. And to be honest, there are some folks, possibly in this room, who will not even recognize him when he comes in glory on a cloud with trumpets. But on that final day, on that day of judgment, you will know. Are you ready for that? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come and convict our hearts. Search out the deepest, darkest corners. Reveal yourself to us. Level the mountains of our hearts. Fill in the valleys. Make the paths straight that we could receive you for the first time or the 100th time. Convict us, Lord. Make us ready. Amen.